سبحانك اللهم سبحانك اللهم من خالق نسعى إليه وحكيم رشيد إن قلت كن يكون من ذا الذي يريد إن كنت إلهي تريد يا فارحمنا وأصلح لنا أحوالنا أنت الولي الحميد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد ومن ولا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Welcome to On Love, Life, and Literature. MashaAllah, three things we all need. A podcast where I'm going to share with you some gems from Arabic literature, inshaAllah ta'ala. And today, the topic of our podcast is reducing religion to fashion. And the artist that is going to accompany us on this journey is Ahmed Shoki. Ahmed Shoki is an interesting person because... He's born at a very interesting time. Things are happening in the Muslim world. Encroachment is happening by colonial powers. The industrial age is kicking in. A lot of things are going on that are threatening the system of the Muslim world. And Ahmed Shoki is born in 1868. He is part of the aristocracy. He serves as a translator in the court of Egypt. Then he goes to France where he's really impacted by literary giants in France. One of them being Jean de La Fontaine who his fables had a tremendous impact on Ahmed Shoki. Ahmed Shoki, rahimahullah, comes back to Egypt in 1894, and around 1914, because of the continued British incursion into Egypt, he is actually banned by the British from Egypt and forced to live in exile in Spain. I want you to understand something that the British did this a lot, especially in Egypt. Ahmed Shoki is one of those people that's forced out of Egypt because he used his art for a political voice. Ahmed Shoki comes back around 1920, and he dies, uh, Rahimullah, in 1932. Lived a young life, man. He died at the age of 63, the same age as our beloved messenger Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And to put this in perspective, the impact of Ahmed Shoki on Arab society for a number of years was captured by Sheikh Sha'rawi, who said, Rahimahullah, like we used to wait for the poetry of Ahmed Shoki. So now how people like wait for video games or they wait for like the latest songs by the artist they like or the next season to start in their favorite sport with their favorite team or their favorite athlete. Ahmed Shoki enjoyed that kind of popularity. He was really, really super popular. The artistic output of Ahmed Shoki can be divided into three key phases. The first is the phase where he's serving in the court and we find praises of kings and princes and leaders. And the second is when he's in exile. And during exile, we find Ahmed Shoki becoming kind of a pan-Arabist, romanticizing his time in the Arab world, longing for the Arabs. He writes poetry about Andalus. And then when he comes back after exile is where Ahmed Shoki takes it to another level. 
and writes perhaps one of the most beautiful poems praising the Prophet He actually writes two, Nahjul Burda and Al Hamaziyah. Nahjul Burda is so impactful that Ummu Kuthum Najah Salam, like musicians sang Shoki's composition and praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He also writes five tragedies, they're plays written in poetic form, and he writes two comedies also in poetic form. And these are very long, but what we want to share with you today are what's called Al-Hikayat. And Al-Hikayat are poems that were written for children, but have lessons for everybody. He took this idea, it would appear, from Jean de La Fontaine, who in his fables, whose philosophical messages are very powerful. So now we're going to experience perhaps one of my favorite poems of Ahmed Shoki. And I really believe that these should be translated into English with the vocabulary and turned into like an Arabic workbook for children because they're very, very powerful and the meanings are extremely relevant. So let's join Ahmed Shoki as he teaches us through this incredible poem, the dangers of confusing religiosity with real religion. Ahmed Shoki says, and he creates this really, really incredible scene. He says, Suddenly one day the fox appeared in the uniform of the righteous preachers. Now, a fox in Arabic carries the same metaphorical connotation as it does in English. A crook, a thief, a snake, someone that you can't trust. Ahmed Shoki says, One day that fox appears in the garments of the shiuch of the righteous. This fox walked through the land guiding people and insulting and rebuking the sinners. And the fox said, All praise is due to God, the Lord of all things. Ya ibad Allahi tubu. O servants of Allah, repent. And here we see the fasaha, the eloquence of this fox. He uses the word kaf. You know the word kaf, shulta kaf, right? Is a cave, is a sanctuary. So he uses it here as a metaphor to say, repent to God, O sinners, because God is the kaf, the place of security, the cave, the fortress for those who repent. And now... Ahmed Shoki starts to share with us after giving us the appearance of the fox and these beautiful words and this beautiful language. If we listen carefully, we're going to understand what's really going on with this fox. The fox says, you know, you should have zuhud. You should be indifferent to birds because this life is only truly a life for those who have abstained from excess in this dunya. The fox is asking us to stay away from birds. <inaudible> Kindly request the rooster to be the mu'adhin, the one who calls the call to prayer, in my mosque, the fox says, at the time of Fajr. What could a fox do with all those birds? What could a fox do with that rooster at Fajr time? Hmm. A messenger comes to this rooster. You know, it's incredible. You think about it, ideas are usually generated by one person, but carried by people. 
How many evil people, if no one had listened to them and no one had supported them, their evil would have never gotten anywhere. But it's always people who help evil spread. So he says, That a messenger came to the rooster. Man, the fox got supporters. Like people couldn't take a moment to think beyond the clothing, beyond the beautiful wording. Who is saying this? Is the fox. And within the request of this fox is great personal agency and utility. It's very self-serving. But people tend to love to believe things when it makes them feel good. And nothing motivates people like appearance and nice words. So he says, That a messenger came to the rooster from the imam of the sinners. Of course, talking about the fox. And this messenger presented the proposition to the rooster. Ahmad Shoki gives us a glimpse into the heart of this messenger who says, Wahua, and he, Yarju, and this is called Wawal Haliya. He was in a state of hoping as he presented this proposition to the rooster that the rooster would agree. And the rooster responds and says, Sorry, Ya Adal al Muhtadina. And here, Ahmad Shoki is playing with the language. I'm sorry. You who are the most astray of those who have been falsely misguided or falsely guided. Respond and let the fox know on my behalf. From the ancestors who have all been righteous. All of these people who came before me that are from my lineage, who are of the righteous people, relate on their behalf from me. Anthawittijani. From those who have crowns. And what he means is, of course, the crown on top of roosters' heads. So what he's saying is, you know, on behalf of all my ancestors, all the other roosters, I'm speaking on their behalf. <laughs> those who entered the stomach, the belly of this accursed fox. Meaning, all of those roosters who were tricked by him before. Relate on their behalf from me to the fox. That they all said, what he's saying now is lamenting, like if they could speak, this is what they would say because they know, because the fox ate them. That the best speech is the qawlul arifina, are those who know, those who have experience, those who have khibra. I want you guys to remember this and memorize this part of the poem. That what they said and what I'm saying is mistaken is the one who assumes for one day that the fox has religion. MashaAllah, man, what a poem. Let's read it again quickly, inshaAllah, so you can memorize it. Ahmed Shawqi says, Ilahi <laughs> 
فأجاب الديك عذرا يا أضل المهتدين بلغ الثعلب عني عن جدود الصالحين عن ذوي التجان ممن دخل البطن لعينا أنهم قالوا خير القول قول العارفين مخطئون من ظن يوما إن للثعلب دينا ما شاء الله so now we have the poem we take the general idea of the poem is that we should never be confused by people's religiosity but we should make sure that we think about what they're saying and examine what they're saying. Now we have some examples of this from our religious tradition as well. The danger of getting caught up in people's outer appearances. In Surah Al-Baqarah verse 208, Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that there are some people who their speech amazes you. And there's there's different asbab and nuzul around this verse. Many say that a man, he came and accepted Islam during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And then he declares in front of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, that I'm like deeply dedicated to you and that my Islam is the truth. You know, I'm honest in what I say. And the Prophet Sallallahu was pleased by what he said. وَإِذَا تَوَلَّا سَعَى فِي الْأَرْضِ لِيُفْسِدَ فِيهَا وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسَلْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْفَسَادِ And then in the verse 209, we see that Allah describes this person, even though they've said these things, and they've, they've said that God knows what's in my heart. There's another qira'ah. It's not from the qira'at which are mutawatir, but it says, وَيَشْهَرُ اللَّهُ Like Allah knows what's in his heart. But in the, the verse that follows this, we find that this person actually went and burned crops, did a lot of crime, and really plagued the community with his evil. So we learn something from this verse, man. Don't get caught up in how people look and on what people say, but pay attention. Sheikh Abdul Wahab Sha'arani, Abdul Wahab Sha'arani is 10th century scholar. There's an entrance into Cairo called Babu Sha'arani, named after him. And he, he mentions this because I see nowadays people get easily duped by language and appearance and style and don't take necessary precautions because, you know, you're going to trust your religion with people that you know. He mentions that one day he was walking in front of Masjid Sayyidina Hussein and he came across a man who had a large number of followers and this man was dressed in the clothes of scholars and Sheikh Sha'arani, he came to him and he said, Assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum salam, who are you? Brief discussion. And then Sheikh Sha'arani said, I realized that this person was ignorant and had no business guiding people. So he said to him, can you tell me what are the obligations of salah? And this person couldn't. Can you tell me what are the obligations of wudu? And he couldn't. And then Sheikh Sha'arani said to him, you know, who are you? And he said, I'm a guider of the hearts. Murshid al like, I'm a guider of souls. I don't worry about the outer. Sheikh Sha'arani said, and here's where we're going to start something in our discussion, that it's not allowed to follow someone in the purification of the soul who hasn't mastered the outer components. Sidi Ahmed Saruq said very beautifully, يَسْتَغْنِي الْفَقِي عَنِ الْمُتَصَوِّفُ وَلَا يَسْتَغْنِي الْمُتَصَوِّفُ عَنِ الْفَقِي Sheikh Sidi Saruq, he said in Qawaid, Tasawwuf, you know that a faqih can function without a tasawwuf, but a mutasawwuf cannot function without a faqih. Someone who knows the outer can survive without knowing the inner. 
in the sense of like the mastery of the inner. But no one can claim mastery of the inner sciences if they haven't mastered the outer sciences. So the first step in engaging people who are claiming to speak about religion is we should not get caught up in the look or the fashion or the words. We should see their respect for revelation for the book and sunnah. And that's why Imam al-Junaid said, if you saw somebody flying in the sky, you should not follow them and you should not take from them until you see how they act with the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet People used to pray Sayyidina Umar. They would say, you know, he had this hot temper, but when he was reminded of something, he was waqifan. He would stop in front of revelation. That would calm him down. That would bring him back to reality. Anyone who says the Prophet is dead, I'm going to take off their head. Allah said, Prophet is only a messenger. If he dies and then say, no, Omar, he realizes, whoa, whoa, that's revelation. Let me hold back my passion. The second is we should be careful of people who purport this irresponsible dawah that's based only on fear. The world is over. There's no good in the Muslims. All the Muslims are astray. You know, just khalas, yani give up. Even Arabi, rahimahullah uh, ta'ala, and Futahat al-Makiyah, he says that one day he was in Mecca, he was making Umrah, and he said, I came across the most ignorant human being I've ever seen on the face of the earth. And this was a person that was being followed by people and had on the gowns of a religious leader. So he said, I went to this person and I, I asked him, like, what's your dawah? And he said, the dawah that I'm giving is that the earth is destroyed and there's no good people left on the face of the earth. And even if a Muslim does something good, it is out of luck. Ibn Arabi said, this is the most ignorant human being I've ever seen. No doubt there are times for inspiring people to fear and responsibility, but not to the point that it causes them to give up hope. Imam al-Ghazali said, fear is only good as long as it inspires, and hope is only good as long as it inspires. The third is how do these people act in moments of sacrifice? Are they in the streets? Are they getting their hands dirty? Are they showing up for soup kitchens? Are they doing the great work? You know, once I love Imam Zaid Shakar, man, and I was visiting a family, and this woman, God bless her, she's a wonderful woman. Her husband has passed away, rahimahullah. And her husband had MS, and he was dying. And I was out in the middle of nowhere, man. And she asked me, you know, could you make dua for my husband? I said, sure. So I went to her home and saw her husband, God bless him. And as we were making dua, I said, you know, I really feel sorry for this woman because she lives out in the boondocks. Like, who would visit her? And then she said to me, you know, I'm so grateful that I met you at the mosque. But, you know, Imam Zaid Shakar comes regularly and prays for my husband. MashaAllah, man. You see, leadership is not only shining in front of the camera, but great leadership shines when the cameras are off. And we find that the great scholars and the great personalities of this ummah were definitely great because of the public work they did. But what sets them apart is the great work they did secretly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of my teachers used to say to me, 
every once in a while you should wake up and pray to Hajjad and don't wake in anyone in your family, even your wife. And I said, why? He said, sometimes you need to keep things between you and Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That longing to be alone with Allah. That longing to cry to Allah. That longing to turn to Allah. And being alone and serving secretly. That's where there's barakah. We know there's a hadith. It's questionable, but it's beautiful. That Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will enter paradise and find some of the Muslims in paradise. And he will say, how did you get here? And they say, we worshipped Allah in secret, so he put us in Jannah secretly. Subhanallah, subhanallah. So people, when they have the opportunity to serve and get their hands dirty and work with the disenfranchised and serve the poor and look after those people who are vulnerable. So those are some of the things that we can do as we get to know people outside of, of course, their academic accomplishments, what their peers say about them. But some of the points that I made now, I want you to think on and remember, as Ahmad Shawqi said, مُخْطِئُونَ مَظَّنَّ يَوْمًا إِنَّ لِثَعْنَ بِدِينَ بَرَكَ اللَّهُ فِيكُمْ وَسَلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَحْمَتُ اللَّهِ من ذا الذي يريد إن كنت إلهي تريد يا رب يا رب فارحمنا وأصلح لنا أحوالنا أنت الولي الحميد